Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another compelling episode of the Eating Crow podcast. I'm here with Amy Robertson, who I'm, I'm excited because Amy and I did a prep call before this. And I was blown away by some of the stories she has to share. She's, she's got a very successful career, uh, but she's got a lot of moments that on a personal level have motivated some change in her career. And we're going to jump into them and learn. So Amy, welcome. Tell us what you're doing today and, and we'll get into how you got there. Well, thanks, Pete. This is, um, this is a lot of fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been back to back today on, on meetings. We were just talking about that and what a nice little break it is uh, <laughs> to get out from under that. Yes. Um, so what I'm doing today is I have a company called Soul Advantage and S-O-U-L Advantage. So your soul. Yes. Um, and the premise behind that is, you know, I have been a chief human resources officer. I've been a vice president at Fortune 500 company. Um, but really it was time for me to offer something that was more uh, fractional in nature. So I wanted to be able to provide companies who may not be ready for a full-time CHRO Mm -hmm. or couldn't afford a full-time CHRO, but they still wanted this strategic help and, and foresight on how, how to do things. So that's really what I'm offering now is some fractional CHRO services. Uh, and I'm also doing some programs, mind projects uh, that are more strategic in nature, uh, mergers and acquisitions, talent, um, culture projects. So a lot of fun. You know, you you jumped into being an entrepreneur, and you've certainly been a leader in some pretty substantial organizations. So your story fascinates me. Uh, we we met when you were a client of mine years ago, and uh, I thought to myself, this is a person I need to keep an eye on. She's going places, and obviously you did. And you know, when we when we talk about the things that registered in our initial conversation, empathy, emotional intelligence. Uh, a lot of self-awareness you had, you lit up, you had some things that look, I can share this. So you're, you're in the business of developing people and teams already, but you did it at a very high level. As you said, in global fortune 500 companies, which, you know, that's macroeconomics. You're trying to move high volumes of people and high growth organizations and move big things. And now you're, you're in your own business and you're trying to think about how to grow that as well. So why don't you share with us kind of what led you from, you know, Red Hat to Channel Advisor and then to Channel Advisor to Soul Advantage. Give us that, that, that kind of quick story because there's a lot that we'll drill into once we hear that. Sure, sure. Um, well, so we'll start with the Red Hat to Channel Advisor piece. Mm-hmm. Red Hat was a great opportunity. It was just being on a bullet train. Yeah. Um, you know, I got there when there were about 1,800 employees, 250 million in revenue and left when there was about 11,000 employees and, uh, you know, almost 3 billion in revenue. So it was, it was really an amazing ride. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was there about nine years. Wow. And every um, day was an adventure there. It was, it was so much fun. And that's the reason why I stayed there. And I, I know my 
my boss was the CHRO and I, I love her dearly. She's been such a huge impact on my career. Um, but we would, we would always talk and I would say, well, you know, the minute I'm not laughing or learning, you know, then I'm probably going to start leaving. And what's funny is I look back on my decision to go to channel advisor and it wasn't that I wasn't laughing or learning, but what I think I realized was, you know, I'm a creator, not a maintainer. Yep. And so as a company gets bigger and bigger and bigger, um, it's kind of, it's hard to create things at the speed that, that I'd like to create them. Uh, so what I, what was interesting to me about channel advisor is it was still in the tech world. It was global uh, and it was local. It was, you know, right here in my backyard and, you know, I'm a North Carolinian and I plan to be for a very long time if not forever, mm -hmm. uh, at least my whole lifetime. And so it was a great opportunity because they were, they were going through some change themselves. They were ready to move into the world of like, what's our mission? What are our, what's our uh, value proposition to our employees? What's our um, strategic roadmap or plan? Mm -hmm. And those types of things really interest me because you're creating something you're you're morphing something into a new era right uh, so so i'm thankful for that that experience because so that was my impetus i was like okay i i feel like i might be able to do this that's great so channel advisor was a great um run it was about three years mm -hmm. and gosh the HR team and other teams there did so much work, put into place so many new things, kept the things that were working from the past. Uh, really a group of people that are so passionate about e-commerce uh, and just about their day-to-day -day work. Yeah, they are. Um, I would say that um, the reason why, probably a reason why I started losing some interest at Channel Advisor is my mother, uh, was diagnosed with a terminal illness, um, had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and we uh, were struggling with her decision to stay at home for the remainder of her life, and we needed a call in hospice. And so um, I was very close with my mom, uh, and just the going to a workplace every day with in the back of your mind, knowing that someone you love is might need you. It's tough. Um, so, so part of the reason why I left was because I had a precious limited time and I didn't know how much. Um, and so my heart was not there. Sure. And I think my actions, you know, <laughs> were complementary to yeah. where my heart was. Um, so I um, was also thinking for years, I've been with some of my colleagues and close friends talking about starting my own business. I mean, I have thrown around doing full-time mergers and acquisitions work, which I love, Yep. Um, to fractional CHRO, to anywhere in between. And so my husband and I had a discussion and said, you know what, I think the world is giving us a signal that it's time for you to, while you are helping your mom ease into the end of her life, 
how about let's ramp up something that you've been thinking about for a while. And so we did, it must've been insane for me to think that I could (laughs) do this, but I was, I was lucky enough to get my first gig with a company that was local that needed a, a fractional HR leader three days a week. And that left me with two precious weekdays mm-hmm. to, to drive to Winston-Salem and to spend with my mother. So I don't, I don't regret that one bit, but it was a, ma- a major change. You know, you'll never, yeah, you said you're never going to regret it. Um, those, those signs are there when you have to look at your personal life and your professional life and you were being pulled or right? you were being pulled that direction. And a lot of entrepreneurs, by the way, you recognize that when you left Red Hat, right? I'm a, I'm a creator. So you're creating something on your own and you were able to have some incredible memories and time with your mother at the same time, which is fantastic. Yeah. So. And, and, and I believe that during this past year, it's brought my whole family together, you know, my extended family, my brothers and myself, mm-hmm. you know, my kids, my husband and I, it just has been, um, you know, I, I, I jokingly referred to it on Instagram last year as the summer of Amy <laughs> and it quickly turned into, you know, the, the fall, winter, spring and summer again of Amy. <laughs> so, I, you know, I've just started taking a little bit more care with my, my personal relationships than I ever thought I would. You know, we, we look for key moments in a podcast to name the podcast and yours will be called the summer of Amy. It's perfect. <laughs> It's great. That's awesome. That's eye catching. <laughs> so, you know, Amy, we, we focus on leadership and entrepreneurship on eating crow and the things we focus on are those moments in our lives where we had to eat some crow, right? Where we made a change to our thinking or our thought process. I've had them. Everybody's had them on the show. When I teed this up for you in our prep call, you're like, Oh, I've got them. <laughs> and you fired away off at me. And I was like, that is really powerful. So you know, if you're listening to this podcast, get ready for this next section because this is going to tee everything up. Amy's got some incredibly uh, powerful moments in her life that, are, that have caused her to rethink some things that uh, show a lot of depth to her personality. And you talk about your family being in a good place. I think there's a lot of reasons why, and it's because this pivotal change you made when you ate some crow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to tee this up for you to tell the story. And I'm going to listen. I, I can't wait to hear it again because it's great. Yeah, it's I think of eating crow. I always think of eating chicken wings. Like <laughs> spicy or like roadkill. Ugh. Yeah, they're okay. more roadkill for sure. Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, and and I'll try not to get weepy. I'm this deeply emotional person. Sure. So I have these like woo. Um. So, I would say a pivotal moment. They it, they all converged. Yep. You know, they were all kind of coming into me at once. And I would say that um, one of the big pivotal moments of when I knew I needed to make some sort of change in my style was the first time I did a, a, a for real 360. Okay. You, you know, that moment where you, you're like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I feel comfortable and confident. Yeah. And, you know, I was getting a larger team and I was in a, I was getting great feedback from my boss and boss's boss and some stakeholders and, and, and some from my team, right? I was getting that. But then when I went to survey everyone anonymously, 
um, I think, you know, obviously a lot of, a lot of it and most of it was very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do recall the one, there were a couple of comments, you know, in the write-in answers, like what, what should Amy stop doing? Yeah. (laughs) And so that was the first part where I was like, I I think I got my feelings hurt a little bit. Um, you know, it was, um, the description was using the word hubris Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that, you know, Amy can come across a little too confident, a little too demanding, a little too goal oriented, you know, but using the word hubris was like, I think I had to go look it up. Honestly, I was like, I was like, dang, what do they mean? I know. I was like, is that a good word or a bad word? So, um, so I could say that, you know, that was my first like eye opening, like you're not all that Amy. So why don't you go ahead and figure this out? Um, and I see, I think, um, that came maybe a year or two, maybe a year before another thing happened in, in my personal life. And, and leading up to that, I would say, I would always say this was pre-call or after call, right? Right. My life pre-call was, um, hard driving, demanding, you know, I don't lose, like, Mm -hmm. I don't not succeed, I will win, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're surrounded with me, you better darn well get, get into the rhythm of, of, of winning, because I don't lose, right, Right. and, um, which is such a jerk move, right, it's such a jerk thing to to think, Uh, but, you know, I was, I was hit my goals at all costs, because my job was, I really wanted to make my leader look good and my team look good. Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that the people that I was, um, I was, I was giving black eyes to people that I was elbowing out of the way, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, So I didn't have a lot of consideration for what was going on in people's personal lives. And um, so PC stands for pre-call. I mentioned that. I got a call one day. My husband and I did, uh, and I got it at work from my daughter's school counselor. And she was, she was 12 and in early seventh grade. And um, the, the counselor said, Ms. Robertson, you and your husband need to get over here. I've got your daughter in my office and she needs to talk to you. And of course, I'm like, what? She forget her lunch. She's, you know. <laughs> Um, and, and she's like, she's, she's harming herself. She's cutting herself. She's depressed. And, um, wow. I mean, I, how do you, how do you take that call? Yeah. Um, I, I ran out of my office crying with my boss and her assistant holding me up basically Mm -hmm. because it was just out of nowhere. Sure. Um, and so, you know, fast forward a little bit is, um, you know, my, my daughter was going through some serious mental health issues. Um, and we never knew it. And so we spent, you know, (laughs) many years following that just, you know, my husband and I would take turns sleeping on the floor in her bedroom to make sure she didn't kill herself. Wow. Um, we, just 
went through every resource we could. So very long story, a little bit shorter is the fact that, you know, when, when you get a wake up call like that and you are presented with a problem within your life that you don't have a solution for. And, you know, my husband's an engineer and he's always got like his ruler and his duct tape and he's like, if I got to fix it. Right. Yeah. I'm an engineer. We, my wife looks at me sometimes like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so um, right. it really was humbling because one, you know, work and success at, at any cost is not success. Um, and it doesn't matter how successful you are in life. Um, the world will remind you that um, you're human and you need to take care of things. Um, and three, uh, wow, extending a little grace to your team doesn't mean your team won't be successful or hit goals. What it'll mean is you'll try to figure out how to navigate life's little potholes uh-huh. and do, do it better for it. Right. right. And, but, and develop a bond. Um, so really hard lesson to learn um, and really hard to put into practice as well. So I would say that I've I had, um, you know, I'll, I'll mention her, Delissa Alexander, the chief people officer at Red Hat was, yeah. was my boss at the time. Superstar superstar and i could say that she modeled the behavior that i now want to give like she would extend grace she would say what do you need what can i do do you need me to clear your schedule you know any she goes i don't need to know the details but i understand it looks like you're having a hard time what can i do and um you know that was remarkable given the amount of pressure on deliverables and what Red Hat HR needed to deliver at the time. And she was, you know, always willing to say, what, a, what can I do? Uh, unusual for someone at that level in an organization that that is that big, like you said, they get there cause they're pretty hard charging themselves. Right. Mm-hmm but she conducted herself in a way that will be a lasting memory for you and an example for you, which is great. So, you know, when we talked about that moment in your life, right, where these, I've, I've had a 360 as well, right? Sometimes you, 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 they're written anonymously, anonymously, but I know who wrote very specific sections in mine. I still have mine from GE from years ago. And I look back yeah, at it because yeah, I need to, I need to look back at it and go, yeah, I'm doing that again. Got to fix that. Mm-hmm. But the 360 was one thing when your daughter, you know, when you recognize your daughter had these challenges, what were the changes you made in your home life and your work life that allowed you to get yourself back on this track? Hmm. Oh, um, <laughs> we just started cl- you know how you clean your closet and then you reorganize or yeah. your pantry, you know, you kind of go through your pantry and you look at the canned goods and it up, oh, this one's expired and okay, throw it over here. And this one's still good. So what are we going to make dinner with this week? And so mm-hmm. I think, I think what happened during that time is my husband and I really, um, as best we could, 
uh, cleaned out our pantry and reorganized. And so we just really only had time to focus on certain things. And so what we knew was like, well, we still had to make a living and we had to keep our family safe. And that's really what we focused on. And so, um, and self-care, we really put into place, you know, those, those communication techniques you learn um, in prior years, so, mm-hmm. you know, years and years ago, he and I went through some marriage counseling, right? Sure. And it helped us learn how to talk to one another. And so we just kind of pulled those back out and used our I feel statements <laughs> and our reflective listening and tried to figure that out. Well, Amy, that's important because, and we're going to, we're going to, I think part of your platform now, your passion is, is obviously mental health, right? And I think Absolutely. when, when parents go through something like this, not only can it, you know, the impact that's going on with the child, but it sometimes divides the parents. It can easily, I see right. it. I see it. Um, I do some teaching for NAMI Wake County and I help facilitate uh, classes for parents who are going through the exact same thing that my husband and I went, went through. And, and I think you have to think about things that you're all coming from a different perspective. You know, your frame of reference is different. So, you know, using that engineer example, my husband was in the engineer mode, like there's not been something that I've been dealt with so far that I can't fix. So let's go fix it. What do I do? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, me, on the other hand, by working in human resources for so long, I kind of got the whole like, wow, this is going to take a little bit more effort. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he and I were not on the same page for a while. And I, and I tell you what, what really helped was um, finally, so we had to go through, my daughter had to go through a couple of therapists and a couple of a psychiatrist to get the mix right, the care, the care plan right. Um, but we landed on a psychologist that was a family psychologist as well. And so we would always start the sessions together as a family. And then we would split out and our daughter would be the remainder of the session. And, uh, and that was um, really helpful, really helpful. Now, we did, we've done so many things wrong. <laughs> sure. uh, and there's a lot of things to critique, right? We, we didn't bring our son, who was three years older than our daughter in, because we into the fold of knowledge, because we thought we would be distracting him from his high school years. Mm-hmm. And what, in reality, we were just, you know, appearing that we were doting <laughs> on our sure. daughter for no yeah. reason. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we've all discussed this now and everything, but you know, there's, there's some things that you can always look back and do better. Uh, but. That's why I started this podcast. <laughs> my, 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 entire, my entire life could be that way. Oh man. Oh, if, I mean, I, 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 I was taught this back in my red hat days. Like, you know, you want to be a certain person and then you, you look back at the end of the day and your behavior doesn't represent that. And instead of beating yourself up, you, you call up your friend or you text your partner or whatever. And you just, you go, well, I declare upset on today. (laughs) Like I'm just going to have to declare upset. 
uh, I did not win this one, but tomorrow's a new day. Right. And you really have to be able to do that. So, you know, first of all, thank you so much. There are a lot of people that will benefit from that story. And uh, what I believe is a happy ending at this point, right? Everybody seems to have, you, you kind of rallied your daughters in college now, I, I understand. Yep. She's 18. She lives in her own apartment with uh, her roommates and she's got the tools in her toolbox to deal with what comes her way. And she recognizes symptoms if she's going down a, a rabbit hole, as we call it, and um, she gets herself back on track. That's wonderful. Um, we're, well, we're the lucky ones. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people that their illness is so severe, it's, it's difficult to sure. get to remission. No, I can, I, I certainly can. And it's, you're right. As an engineer, I can tell you that the, and by the way, I, I had a career in, in health and wellness, which is how we met. Right. So mm -hmm. exercise, nutrition, I can do the math there. I, the formulas are straightforward as an engineer, I can solve those problems. And my family, my wife's family, they both have history of, of mental illness. And it is, it is the one area that I just can't, I can't grasp it. I, I can't understand it. It's so difficult to figure out. And it is incredibly frustrating as a family member to watch this, but then try to figure out how to engage. And then as you guys did, you got to figure out how to work the system. Yeah, I think that's hard. I think that, um, you know, I think unless you've gone through it, it's really hard to mm -hmm. empathize. Um, but I do think that people are becoming more aware. I mean, sure. it, it really gets on my nerves when we talk about physical health and mental health. It's like, right. it's all health. It's all physiological, right? If you, if you do your research and you can educate yourself on that, you'll see that it's, 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 it's all one health. Sure. And um, the more we can talk about it that way, I think the better. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's one thing I think COVID has brought out in us these days is the ability to, to say, I'm a little anxious today, or I'm, I'm, I'm kind of depressed, you know, and, and yeah. starting to talk about things before they get so severe. Yeah. And I, I have had coworkers who, you know, we went from one day to all being at work together every day, which was a big part of our social interaction. Our mental, emotional outlets are solved by exercising your brain, interacting with people. And the next day, there's no more of that for months. And some of our, our peers and in, in you're dealing with are live by themselves, right? They, and they don't live in their hometown. So they had no one to interact with physically for months at a time. That's hard to process. So, you know, switching gears from the, the personal side, how you adjusted and how your husband and your family and your kids kind of found a new normal and like you said, cleaned out the pantry and, <laughs> and, and have kept it clean. When you think about Soul Advantage and there's a reason you chose that name and you look at, uh, you know, I think you described yourself uh, pre-call with a different harsher word <laughs> than yeah. you have now, right? And how are you counseling organizations and leaders today about how to weave these issues into, I think there's a couple aspects, right? Recruiting talent, hard to identify people that come along with some challenges already. And then the existing talent that you have, how are, how are we, I mean, companies have had EAP programs for years. You and I both know very few people used it. Mm -hmm. 
So how do we weave that kind of help into the normal part of a working environment so people feel like they're comfortable? As you said, described, I'm having a day I'd, I'd kind of like to, uh, you know, to forget about what do I do? So give us some thoughts on how Soul Advantage is helping companies deal with that. Yeah, actually, that's a great question. Um, so I'm helping a company right now. Um, they span across multiple business units, d- different businesses, different types of customers, different requirements on the job. But one of the things that they've realized is um, that uh, flexibility in the workplace helps everyone. And flexibility um, for you looks different than flexibility for me, right? Um, So being able, so what we're doing is we're creating um, talking points and trainings and guidelines and process to help encourage just taking a moment and back, you know, like, let's just rethink the way work gets done. Mm. Uh, because the, when you have your personal life and your work life competing with one another. As they are um, today. Yep. Your work um, will sometimes, will mostly win out, right? You know, mm-hmm. I've got this deadline. I've got this thing. I've got this thing. Um, but when you know that your work is supportive of your whole self, you know, your soul <laughs> and everything encompass that, then you make good choices, right? You know that I, I need to get this work done, but I also need to go teach my kid how to throw a spiral in the backyard as my coworker this morning taught me, told me. Bingo. Bingo. And so it's, it's a trust thing, right? It, it, you get rid of the fear of not performing the fear, right? So think about what I said before. If you had a manager like me 10 years ago, I was like, where's your work? Where's your work? Are you done? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, I don't care. And people were like, well, I've got to choose that, right? I have to choose this. Um, But if you have a manager like Amy is now, it's more like, okay, we've got some, We've got some competing priorities at home and at work. Let's have a conversation. Let's walk through your priorities. Let's see what really has to be done by a certain deadline. What can be put off? Let's see if, oh, there's people on the team that probably have extra time. They probably have a skill they want to develop. Let's Mm -hmm. use this as a development opportunity. So the key, in my opinion, to all of this is the manager. It's the managers up the chain and down the chain. So it doesn't work if, if there's a broken link and I've seen it plenty of times, the manager um, is the person that is inviting the person to be themselves. Now, when you think of the audience for much of this counsel that you're providing, have you noticed any differences between I'll just say our generation and the younger generations in their reception to this kind of feedback and input and coaching. Um, are there certain groups like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, that's, that's kind of my family life. Let's leave it out of it versus other like, yeah, I want to talk about this. Yeah, there are, there are people uh, generationally, you know, I don't, I don't see too much general generationally. Interesting. Um, what I do see is, um, you know, I think you're, you're a private person, you're an introvert or you're, you're kind of in between or you're an extrovert. And so I think there's just some people 
who prefer a little more privacy. And so I'm not advocating that everyone needs to be open yeah. about what's, because we don't have time to hear an hour long version of what happened this weekend right like i mean okay. you wouldn't want to hear what happened to me this weekend no yeah, i mean i care sure. but i don't right right so um it's kind of distracting right we have this professional relationship but you can have this softening around the edges mm -hmm. um and so not everybody has to share you just have to come up with really great team norms right let's describe what working as a team looks like what's that What's it going to look like if you've got to take care of your elderly parents um, and hit a deadline or help your kid get on e-learning and take your dog for a walk because you're home all day, you know? All good examples. I, I've always felt in, in, you know, some of the peers, Debbie Edmondson was one of my key HR executives for years and, Debbie and I had a really good working relationship because I understood completely the value of what she brought to the table, right? And some people are always like, well, you know, HR is going to be like, we, we need to be soft here and do it. No, HR comes in and their, their objective is to help the company and the employee, right? So there's a very business understanding there. But what I have discovered, if you want to lead or manage people effectively, it can be an exhausting process, right? Because it can't be done in a spreadsheet it sometimes can't be done on email. Sometimes you need to pick up the phone or have those tough conversations. And it's just, as you described, let's go through kind of what your day is like. Let's figure out what is a priority, what's not a priority. That takes an incredible amount of time. But at the end of the day, it's the only way to show an employee, as we talked about earlier, empathy or emotional intelligence that you can relate to what they're really going through. And sometimes you have to pull it out of them. Right. Right. Well, think about it this way. Um, let's say you're on some social app, right? And mm -hmm. you get a pop-up ad. How irritating is it when you get a pop-up ad that really has nothing to do with you? You're like, why are you sending me AARP stuff, right? Or whatever. Sure. Um, but how helpful is it when, some, when it's configured to you as an individual? Right. Right? Um, and so that's the way that I tend to view management is it's, you know, the old one size doesn't fit all approach. Yep. Um, it, it, it rarely applies anywhere in people management. You really have to individualize your approach. And it's not about how you want to communicate. It's about how the person can hear what you're saying. And so you have to modify. So, so that, you know, you're not going to give the same message. You're not going to give the same ad to every single person. Right. So, um, it, it is exhausting. I'm in digital marketing. So I understand how important relevant content is. That's just what you're describing yeah. is it has to be relevant. I, I, I can imagine any organization can benefit from this level of guidance, particularly as you described, management is the key to the, the key link. If it breaks down there, that is it. What always frightens me is a manager who's not aware of what's going on in one of my most important teams, because now that's impacting 15 people. And if those employees are not getting that empathetic understanding approach, that's proactive, we're at risk. So that manager training is so important. Are there particular platforms or modules that you use with your customers or have you repurposed kind of your own Amy type content? How do you, how do you, what's the go-to for you there? For me, um, 
I typically design original content okay. based on a lot of different sources. Got it. Um, it's, so it's more of a boutique approach. You know, look, if you want to go get the essentials of people management course, you can pull that off the shelf. I mean, yep. you know, anywhere, and it'll probably be a lot cheaper than me and just as effective. Right. But if, if you want something that's kind of, uh, that's woven in through your culture, your values, your, your business plan and, and meeting you where you are today, um, then that's, um, the better. Now I do have to say, I've, I've been a fan of Josh Burson for, for a very long time as a thought leader in human mm-hmm. resources. Um, I have some friends that, have, and former colleagues that have, you know, moved a, away from our former companies and have gone on to be their own chief people officers. And they're a great source of information and, and things that they do are sometimes leading the pack. Um, and I really love the language around the, the True Tilt and Tilt 365 products uh, that Pam Boney created. And that was the, the 360 product that I used. Um, mm-hmm. But it just gives a, it's, it's character-based and it, and it really gives a common language uh, for your whole company to talk about, you know, how to leverage your strengths and um, do things, I guess, do things in a way, um, give feedback and, and work on yourself in a, in a safe environment. You know, I, I've been doing this a long time and, and I've gone through a couple, what I'll, I'll call refresher courses or new ways of looking at some of these trainings, character-based training, uh, conflict management, whatever you want to call the different, the different terms. And when they're done by the right presenter or the right instructor, I, I watch the room. I'm watching the room and seeing how the light bulbs are going off because it can be really engaging. And I walked out and I was open. I said, look, I've learned things today that I should know, right? These are things I should be doing not only for myself, but with my team. How am I conducting a one-on-one with an employee? And when I'm doing a check-in, what are they getting out of it? You know, and I take them seriously. So when they fill it out and they say, here are the things I could do better. Here are the things I need from you. I'm looking at them. I'm going, holy cow, what, what would cause them to think that? And how do we do it? And how do we follow up? And how do we make sure those things are done? If, if we don't understand it, particularly today, doing these kind of meetings over a zoom call, hmm. you know, that personal connection, a person can pick up on your vibe when you're with them in a room, but when you're over a zoom call, it's harder to do that. So your ability to pay attention, right. And that's a key thing, not missing the signs or the signals. Right. When an employee is struggling, that's gotta be a big cue that you look for. Yeah, I think it is. And, and the, Evidence comes from all different places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they may not, if they're a private person and, and they may not be willing to share um, as much detail about what's going on at work or home that might be impacting mm-hmm. them. So it might take, it's a harder nut to crack. Yeah. Probably take some time and some trust to be built. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, you, this is not a speed reading course. You're, you're, you know, this is developing relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're, if you're not willing to develop it deeply, 
um, your employee's going to see right through you. I mean, it's, it's, I can see when people are pretending with me, can't you? Absolutely. If it's not authentic, I'm not buying it. Yeah. And it takes time for them to realize that it is authentic. So, uh, as you, uh, I, there's a, a show on right now. My, my wife got me to watch called Yellowstone. I don't know if you've watched oh, I've it. Heard of, that's on my list. So <laughs> there is a, there is a character. Her name is Beth. She's, she's, um, complicated and she has a romantic, uh, gentleman named Rip who has figured out how to get through to her. And it all, it's very, it's physical. Like literally when he's with her, he will almost just kind of gently, is it, is it okay to put my hand on your shoulder? And he knows when it is or not. He knows when to back off. It's he's literally figured out to your point earlier, I need to communicate with this person in this very specific way. And there's probably only one other person in the whole show that can do that with her. Uh, and he, and I, I, it's a mastery in both verbal and physical communication, how he has done that. And I know that works with employees and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way and the type of question you ask someone that conveys authenticity and a genuine interest in how they're going to respond. Like you said, if I sit there and somebody's rattles off the five questions, they know they got to ask and they don't care about my response. I'm, I'm done with them. Mm-hmm. But if they've keyed their next question after my first answer, then I know that they're engaged, right? They, Oh, well, that's not what I expected here. So Pete, well, let's talk about that. Now, now I know that I've, I'm, I've got someone who's generally interested in how I'm feeling or what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, I, you know, I can't connect. I have not connected with every one of my employees in that manner. You mm-hmm. know, there are some things. It's hard to do. Just, it is so hard to do. Um, and sometimes you're just on different thought paths. And so it just takes a lot longer to bridge it together. Um, and sometimes I haven't been able to bridge it together before they've left or I've left or whatever. And, you know, I hate that. I mean, it, it does stink. Well, and um, there are some, there are some employees that don't want that type of connection. They, they, they just, they, they, they have kind of made it up and it's not rude. It's not, it's just, I'm not here to connect in that level. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the best way to engage there is to let them know you understand that. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. You know, like I'm here for you. I, 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 I genuinely care about how you're doing. Here's some things I'm observing. Process them and come back when you want to. I get it. And you know, I, I have one of those personalities that can be a little bit boisterous. <laughs> so I've got to recognize when some people don't want to engage with that, and and that's perfectly <laughs> acceptable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Amy, when you think about uh, the next steps for for your business and the type of customers you're going after, mm-hmm. what are the companies that excite you that you think you can influence and drive change? Are there particular types of businesses that you're finding attractive? You know what's funny is for for we talked about this for for years. I had this snobbery around I only wanted to work with tech companies and fast growth and you know it's like Mm -hmm. and 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 um I almost you know look down on other industries and in which now that I've been in consulting my clients who are different than the typical mold that I may have um targeted in the past 
um, are teaching me some new things. I tell you what, I have learned so much. And so I think that, you know, obviously I love tech companies, but, but what I love even more is these companies that, you know, the light bulbs going off and they really want to go through some sort of transformational change, whether it's, I'm going through a merger and acquisition. I'm, we are, trying to change towards a more flexible workplace. We're getting, we just got funding and we're getting ready to grow like crazy. What we need, those are the types of, of companies that jazz me because they're thirsty for doing, you know, achieving their goal, which is going to be a huge change, but doing it in the a way that um, supports their employees. And that ecosystem, one of um, the the chief revenue officers I used to work with used to say, you know, to be a great sales guy or lady, you had to be, you had to have the right mix of ego and empathy. Mm -hmm. And I kind of adopted that. I mean, I know the people I like to work with and for, and it's people who have that right mix of ego and, you you know, and empathy. And so I thank you, Paul Forty, for that. Um, but, uh, it really rings true. I'm, I'm not going to be a good fit for people that need, um, too much structure. Um, although I'm a very structured person and I love structure, but if you want me to just follow the rules and, um, um, not be as creative as possible, then that, that might not be the best route. And then if, if you don't put culture and people first in your business or customers first, then it's not going to be a good fit. Right. I don't do HR for HR's sake. That is, I don't, that's just not what I do. And so I'm a business person and I know people and culture. And if you're a business person who appreciates people and culture, then let's get together. You, I, I love the closing math problem, right? The ratio of ego to empathy. (laughs) that's really good. And I think about, if you think about people that other people are naturally drawn to, they have that right balance because people are drawn to um, happy people, positive people, optimistic people that are, but if they, if those people are narcissistic, right? I mean, I might appear happy and with myself, it's pretty quick to turn off. But if you have empathy and you can relate to those around you, uh, that means you're going to create an environment where a culture can naturally follow, as you described. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what's great. Results typically follow, mm-hmm. right? When you have that right balance, you don't have to wonder which one comes first. Absolutely. Uh, if the right empathetic leader that has the right balance of ego will drive results because people want it. They would like to follow them and be part of that success versus feeling like I have to. Right. So that's a, that's a great thing. And I'm going to, when we, when we publicize this podcast, I'm going to, in the written section, the snippets, I'm going to bring out that, that ratio right there. Cause I think that's a great thing that you described, right? Then you can well, give, is it Paul? You can give Paul the credit Paul for 40, it. Paul 40, all props to Paul 40. Paul 40, yeah, tell you great. what, I mean, you know, you learn every something everywhere you go. And I've, I've learned, a, I feel like I learned a million things with every person yeah. I've interacted with. So, and still learning. Well, that's why people are going to seek you out now at Soul Advantage and, and try to figure out how you can help them. I'd love to. Perfect. Amy, this has been wonderful. And I have to say, I'm just very grateful for you to open up and share your story because 
there are people that will benefit greatly from this and I wish you nothing but the best of success. Listen, thank you. And uh, the thing that I have to say is, you know, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the NAMI has local chapters. Um, I'm on the NAMI North Carolina board and I'm also affiliated with NAMI Wake County. Got it. They have excellent websites, excellent uh, resources, uh, and they have a helpline. So if there's any questions, they can point you to the right people, resources, groups, uh, whatever. And so I would just encourage all of your listeners or watchers to um, share that with themselves and their loved ones. And we'll put those, uh, those links and posts down in the, uh, in the comment section as well so people can see those. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Amy, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. You too. Alrighty. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. You're welcome.